Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Oh, my friends. Sorry for what culture here back on my feet, but I am still so damn ill. If I collapse during the middle of these ups and downs, you're just going to have to come and save me, even though you don't know where I live. Also, we are doing a New Japan show, and as we said last year, it means this is going to be a very naked episode of the show, because for some reason, New Japan doesn't like anyone using any of their assets just got to make do as best we can. But Wrestle Kingdom 17 is in the book, so I decided to figure out whether it was a good show, whether it was an average show, or whether it was a pant show. Those are the only three options. Let's up those doubts. So there is too much to talk about when it comes to the whole damn thing, so we'll just go through the pre-show really quickly. The Rambo was real funny because El Phantasma at one point eliminated someone by squeezing their nipples. And we had an Antonio Inoki moral match, which made me feel all warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. If you do intend to go and watch it later, I would say you should stick on the pre-show as well, because like I say, it just sets up the mood, but I do have to give it enough and move on to everything else. Otherwise, this damn thing is going to take about 52 minutes. The main card then did eventually start, and man, did New Japan know what they were doing, because they were like, hey, why don't we have an IWGP Junior Tag Team title match? And these four guys just went absolutely crazy. Because it was champions TJP and Akira taking on Leo Rush and Yo, and of course they just went move, flip, flop, up, down, left, right, oh, I'm over there, you can't stop me, oh my gosh, I'm going to do a dive. And they were going at such pace, all of a sudden from nowhere, Leo Rush was just pouring with blood, and I turned into his father during this. I was like, shouldn't we stop the match? It looks quite bad. Somehow it made Rush even cooler though, because again, he has such pace to him. Given that he had blood running down his face, he was like some badass superhero. And I know that means I have serious problems, but I do. There was also so many near falls during this, including when Leo hit the frog splash. I tell you, that was a proper 2.99999. And soon after this, everybody was hitting their finishers, including TJP, who hit the Mamba splash and the disaster kick. And once again, Yo managed to get out of this at the last second. I truly didn't know who was going to win. Throughout the whole thing too, Leo kept going for the 3K and eventually they did get it, but that led to another false finish and everybody went, ooh. And I really like Yo, because afterwards he just stood up and went, da. I was like, yeah, that's what I would do. Sadly, though, it did mean he kind of lost his concentration because he was hit with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. 
and he lost. Now, I'm not sure how I felt about that finish, because of course, this is what all wrestling companies do when they want someone to lose, but not really. But you have to look at the main crutch of the match here. It was so damn fun. It was so damn entertaining. Once again, it got me all ready for everything that was going to come. Giving it up. We then had a pretty damn cool moment after this for many reasons, because it was the first ever defense of the IWGP Women's Championship on a Wrestle Kingdom show as Kyrie was taken on Tam Nakano. Now, as we know, this is super duper rare, given I think the last women's match we had in the Tokyo Dome was back in 1994. So everybody should have had their eyes on this, and given what they achieved, we should do it again. It was amazing right away as Kyrie had this tremendous pirate entrance complete with skeletons, and you heard that right. Surprise, surprise, when they did get in the ring, they started to wrestle. Yes, they're able to do it too. Nakano also did that whole Matrix dodge thing before she smashed Kyrie with a German suplex. Eek mocked S. They then punched each other in the face for a while when Kai was able to hit a German suplex of her own. That's signs Vi. When Tam was like, well, I know it's 2023 and this was a 2022 move, but I better do a dive. Now, that looked absolutely horrible as she landed right on her face and I was like, please don't be hurt. But actually, it was just fine because they both got back in the ring. They continued to plow each other with punches when all of a sudden, Nakano must have gone. I am Scott Steiner. And she nailed Kyrie with this screwdriver. And she landed on her flipping head. And somehow she kicked out a two. We were then going back and forth again because Kyrie was able to hit the cutlass, but Tan kicked out of that as well. So Kyrie was like, all right, well, I'm just going to do it again. And then I'm going to go to the top rope. I'm going to hit my insane able elbow. And she retained her tail. Now, look, this was way too short for my liking, even though the card was so damn long. I mean, I think they good five minutes. We could have taken some time from elsewhere. So it is going to get a down. But in terms of what they did do with their minutes, they definitely maximized them. And I am giving it an up. Although nobody is going to be talking about this because the following then happened. For it was yet another one of these world wrestling worst surprises when we all knew the deal, but it was so cool to see because all of a sudden some random music started to play and WWE Sasha Banks made her debut for New Japan Pro Wrestling. She is now known as Mercedes Monet and she did take Kyrie out with something. I'm 100% sure what that was meant to be. When she also cut a promo where she said, I'm the CEO of the women's division and come February in San Jose, I want to take you on, Kyrie. So I'll see your ass there. Huh. So NJPW are being really smart with this because, of course, they want to grow their audience around the world. So they're having Monet's first match being in the United States of America. So straight away, we can see what the deal is. I have a feeling it's going to go very, very well. And this whole presentation was super cool. I felt very excited for Mercedes because she must feel on top of the world right now. Giving it up. The card kept on rolling after this because it was Yoshi, Hashi and Goto taking on FTR for the IWGP tag team titles. And in what universe is this going to be bad? There isn't one. Kesh and Yoshi, Hashi started off and they were just doing big old wrestling when Goto and Dax tagged in. They basically did the same thing. Because it was just punch face, punch face, get double teamed by the other person's partner, switch it round and do it again. Yeah. Dax tried to fight off both guys, which was never going to work, but he was able to fight his way out of the GYR. And all of a sudden he hit a brain buster and Cash Wheeler did this crazy, crazy dive. So once again, I was like, right, that's it. I pulled up my notebook. I scribbled out 2022 dive and I wrote 2023 dive. It will still be the move of the year. FDR then busted out the power plex, so I was having the best time. And what I really enjoyed about this is that there wasn't really domination on either side. FTR did their stuff and the challengers did their stuff. It was just classic wrestling tennis. Smash. Eventually, Hashi and Goto were going for the GYR again, but once again, FTR was like, no, you're not going to do it. And they hit the big rig, and I tell you, that led to the craziest near fall, which I then forgot about instantly, because 
Cash and Yoshihashi did this crazy suplex over the top rope where they just crumpled in a heap. And I actually stood up, not true, I was laying down watching this, but I laid down and I said to myself, well, they got to be dead. They weren't. Dax was then going for pile drivers, so Goto just headbutted him right in the face. And eventually he did get one when Cash reappeared and they hit the spike version. And once again, that led to the false finish. I was like on a surfboard because it was so crazy. I mean, the timing of that was so well done. And when Yoshihashi went out for another big rig, he was like, I don't think so, pal. And eventually they were able to hit the GYR. They got the one, two, three. I was like, hot damn. FTR is having a terrible time at the moment. They just lost more tiles. Also, do not forget that as far as we know, Dax is still wrestling with his broken ass. He hasn't taken any time off to heal that. So when you take that into account as well, this was truly tremendous. Everybody brought their working points. Boots? Boots. I've got a four. Boots! They brought the... I'm giving it up. The best thing about Wrestle Kingdom is that there's never any nonsense between matches either. So you just go to one to the next, from one to the next. Meaning we were having Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Ren Narita to see who was going to be the first ever IWGP TV champion. Narita walked out like he was flipping Dan Seven, which is never a bad thing. Whereas Zack stared right into the camera and shouted, Rishi Sunak, why don't you pay those nurses, you dickhead? So... There was a bit of British politics for you there. He's also correct. It was so good instantly because they started at this crazy pace, but simultaneously, they were trying to work over different body parts. They were also just punching and kicking each other. And if one of them hit the other one really hard, the other guy would be like, well, I'm just going to hit you harder still. So this was escalation. They then took turns to sit down and tell the other one to kick them right in the back. And every time they did this, they were like, oh, I can't believe how much that hurt. And I was like... Do I need to ring up and explain how wrestling works? If you do indeed boot someone in the rear section, you're going to be in a lot of pain. The commentators are also pushing quite hard during this. Oh, don't forget, we have a smaller time limit here. And if that does happen, we both agreed to a rematch. And this was a nice extra side to the story. Because I am a massive geek and an idiot, I start being like, oh man, that's probably what's going to happen. And it didn't. It all built to them going for these crazy pins on each other. And I watched this twice and I still couldn't figure it out. One of them looked like it was made out of Lego. Two plus two equals potato. The finish absolutely did rock though because it was pure MMA. Because Narita decided, well, I'm going to go after that leg and I'm going to make him tap out. But of course, when you do that, you expose the arms. So Zack Sabre Jr. looked at it like it was his lunch. He applied the move. And then Narita had to tap out. And amazingly, Zack Sabre Jr. has finally got his singles title. So this is kind of exactly what you would expect, but there's nothing wrong with that. We've talked about this before. You don't go and sit down with a rom-com and hope the main lead gets stabbed to death. If you do, you're a very strange person, but it's another up. There was also angles afterwards because Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste were here. They said, oh, hello, Zach. Would you like to be in TDMK? He just went, yeah. And he put a t-shirt on and they all walked off. I realize what I just said. It's TMDK. I'm very tired and an idiot. But I enjoy this because once again, it's just narrative that we can jump into in the future. And also, you can never give me enough factions. I mean it. The man has then continued because WWE contracted employee Carl Anderson was defending his never open weight championship. It was also against my good old pal, my good old body, Tamatonga. And Carl must have had a terrible flight because he just kicked this guy's ass to begin with. I mean, he threw him into Barry Barricade and he threw him into the rampway to the point I kind of looking around going, does he know what wrestling is? 
think he may have forgotten. Anderson was so livid, he was like, oh, I'm going to gun stun you on the rampway. But thankfully, Tamil was able to get out of that. And that was basically the center of this entire match. Obviously, they both do gun stuns or stun guns, whatever the hell you want to call it. And they kept trying to outdo the other one. And we made it very clear, well, if somebody hits it at the right time, they're probably going to win. It's true. Tamil was able to shove Carl Anderson off the top rope at one point and follow up with a crossbody. Started to laugh because he literally went right back up there and he hit the extreme flow. But I already told you how this finish was going to go, so it didn't work. He then straight away went for the gun stun, but Anderson was like, I will not let you beat me with the move that I gave to you to begin with. And then they both started going for it, and whoever was going to hit the most flush one was going to get the three. I'm repeating myself, it was Tamatonga. One, two, three. Carl Anderson goes back to WWE. That rhymes, so I'm happy. And obviously, Tamatonga right now new champion. He also hit one off the ropes just before he went for the final version. That looked really damn good. So Tamatonga had done it. The power plant had won it. Giving it a Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. We went right into a six-man tag after this, which was also Keiji Muto's last match ever in New Japan. That is quite a big deal. He was teaming with Tanahashi and Shota Amuno as they were taking on Naito, Bushi, and Sanada. So while you had all the names here, you won't be too surprised to hear, I do kind of feel like New Japan put it in this place so we could just calm things down for a little bit and approach wrestling from a different angle. In that sense, he did a good job. Sonata and Muto kicked things off here, and I just want to point out that out of every single wrestler in the world, Sonata may have the best look of all of them. Like, his blonde hair and beard look so damn good, get quite damn jealous. He also pretended he wanted a too-sweet Muto at one point, and he just went for it for some reason, which is when he went after his knees. 
And of course he went after his needs. If you know anything about Keiji Muto, you know these days he hasn't got any. It was all done so Muto could kick out of the Sonata Moonsault. And after he beat him up for a while, including the running knee or the shining wizard, he then decided, I'm going to go for my moonsault. And thankfully, Tanahashi walked over and said, no, look, I understand it's your last match, but do you want to die? And Muto's like, no, you're right. And he climbed back down. They were still buddies, so Tanahashi tagged in there. He just took everybody out. And this guy also just defies the age barrier. Like, you can see he's a little bit wibbly-wobbly because he has suffered so much punishment, but he just knows when to do it, and he just understands how wrestling works. I love him. People were then quite clearly being beaten up on the outside because you could hear Barry Barricade being assaulted. But no cameraman decided to cut to it, so I was laughing because that was ridiculous. But I suppose they did have a point because Naito tagged in, meaning it was Naito versus Tanahashi, and all of a sudden the fans went wild. They remember. Naito is still so good and he flew in with his kick with the corner, but eventually Tanahashi smashed him with a dragon screw. So we were going after everybody's knees. When Amuno tagged in... And this is what you need to focus on. Now, for starters, Umino just makes everything look effortless, and he does everything at 100 miles per hour. And because everybody in this match was quite slow, he was kind of moving like a race car. The whole point was, though, after Bushi had had his little run, he got hit with the sling blade, he got hit with the shining wizard, so Muta could have his last moment. When we turned to Umino and we were like, hit him with your finisher, he smashed him with the Death Rider, he got the pin, meaning even though it was Muto's last match, who were we looking at at the end? Shota Umino, this was smart. Give him the torch. Overall though, this was all right. And if you don't get the history, which is not mandatory by the way, you don't have to know this stuff. It's not gonna be much of anything, but when you do learn about it or you have seen it, it did carry some sentimentality and some emotion. So I am gonna give it an up. But yeah, if you compare it to other matches on this card, it's not in the same league. Junior heavyweight title was on the line after this. Almost like New Japan plans it. So it was champion Ishimori taking on El Desperado, Takahashi, and Master Watto. Something I do need to tell you is the whole time the commentators kept going Forbidden Door, Forbidden Door. Would you like to know about the Forbidden Door? So if the new champion, which we'll get to in a second, is not heading to AEW soon, somebody definitely misspoke. Otherwise, this was so ridiculous and they did so much, I don't really know how I'm going to recount it to you because it was absolutely obscene. However, in the early going, all of these guys did go for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. So I was so damn pleased, but also sad, nobody was able to do it. The announcers during this also started talking about a fracas that was going on backstage between Naito and Shota Umino. So I suppose that's a new feud we're going to do. And yes, because I'm a massive geek, I was like, oh man, they're playing off the CM Punk and the Elite stuff. And maybe they were doing that, but should my brain have thought it? No. It also allowed all four dudes to start fighting on the entrance ramp where they were picking each other up and just throwing them into the damn concrete. And of course, because they are junior heavyweights, they were doing this with so much impact. This is basically how I watched this match, like it was some kind of horror movie. Somehow Ishimori got the better of that, so he just left them to die as he got back in the ring. And when he saw them trying to get in the squared circle, he hit with a moonsault, he then got back in the ring for the second time, and he was like, look man, I'm perfectly happy to win by count out. Everyone was then hitting dives, including Takahashi, who took out everybody with his bomb, but they barely caught him and just landed on the floor. I shouldn't laugh, 
was really bad. It's like when you see something terrible happen, you kind of go, ha, 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 because it's a defense mechanism. Eventually, it was quite clear that we were trying to build Master Watto here. As he kept going, move, pin, move, pin, move, pin. And he almost had one done when Desperado broke it up at the last moment. But even when Watto got hit with things, he just stood up like, no, I'm becoming the champion. The absolute best one was after Takahashi had hit the time bomb and Master Watto did kick out. Because then he hit his move, which I can't pronounce, you have to forgive me, I'm a stupid British person. And at the very last second, Ishimori pulled the referee out the ring and the commentators lost their mind during this they were like ah he should be suspended i don't think they said that but they were really mad people were really outraged by this too especially because ishimori then just got a chair and smacked master Watto. and of course we hadn't done that in any other match it was like how dare you but once again, what I was like, no, man, I've already made my plans. And he basically no-sold it. It absolutely worked, though, because he then hit the Wrestlemente, whatever it's called, and at the last second, Takahashi broke it up. And I will tell you, my friends, I totally bought that. It happened again when Watto hit his Everest German suplex, which has to be one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. It is so damn dangerous. When Takahashi decided, you know what, I'm done with this, he hit another time bomb, he got the one, two, three. He is your junior heavyweight champion again, but everybody was a winner here. This was so well worked and it was so well timed, and I'm basically in awe of all of them, giving it up. And then we got into the serious stuff, because it was double main event time. The first of which was, of course, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay for the United States Championship. Although, if you had forgotten about this beforehand, or even during the match, I wouldn't have blamed you because the expectation put on these guys' shoulders were huge. And I will tell you straight, they walked into that New Japan ring and they took the bar and they totally smashed it to the point I can't see it anymore. This is genuinely already a match of the year candidate. Kenny Omega's entrance too was amazing as he really tied into the one wing angel thing and the bell rang and they just went crazy. And in the early going, which actually turned out to be very important, Osprey was just kicking Omega's ass it was like, look, you left New Japan, now I'm going to teach you a lesson. I mean, he flipped out of a Hurricane Rana and he just hurled Omega into Barry Barricade. But that's the mistake that he made, because when he tried to get back in the ring, Kenneth just drop-kicked him and he went flying into Barry. This is one of the worst bumps you've ever seen in your life. And write this down, it injured Osprey's back. Now, Omega used that to hit the no escape when he all of a sudden realized, I think I'm onto something here. And I'm not kidding you. I'm not exaggerating or anything. He just beat on Osprey and he beat on Osprey and he beat on Osprey, knowing that if he could ruin his back enough, this guy can't do his flippy dippy doodah stuff and I'm going to win. But no matter how awful you think this was, no matter how brutal you think this was, times it by about 37.5, it got so crazy, I was a little bit uncomfortable. Kenny even got rid of the turnbuckle pad at one point, and while Osprey fought out of that for a little bit, eventually they were tussling on the top when Kenny decided, why don't I DDT you right into the steel? And he did do this. While I know this has happened before, I can't remember the last time I saw it. And it was so disgusting. It was like this air of worry throughout the arena. It honestly felt like something bad had happened. They were soon fighting on the ring apron too, where once again, Osprey got held onto the floor. So Kenny Omega got a table from under the ring. He placed it on Osprey's back and he did this double foot stump onto him. 
And while that sounds quite tame in comparisons to other things we've seen, this was the genius and this was the amazing thing of that match. They just put so much into every single move. You reacted every time like, oh my gosh, he's dead. Osprey was still able to fight back and he then suplexed Omega into that damn thing when he hit the sky twister press. And you just kept going to yourself, the Osprey comeback's gonna be just around the corner. But it wasn't, it was just more murdering. There was also some absolutely crazy bits throughout all of this too when they were gonna do a poison rana off the top rope, but Will Osprey landed on his feet and he hit the Oz cutter after he'd been trying it for about five minutes. And it's so smooth and it's so effortless. I don't care what you say. They are not humans. I've said it before and I'll say it again. They are aliens sent from another planet. Thankfully, they landed on ours. There was then so much blood at this stage because again, just the war that was going on here. And Kenny Omega's eye was turning into some kind of alien. So I was freaking out. And I saw some people on Twitter going, oh, well, I've seen this kind of match before. So what? That's like becoming a serial killer and say, does it really matter that I murdered some people? Yes, it does. Omega soon hit the Terminator dive after this. And because he found himself on the outside again and went, oh yeah, that table is still here. He took Will Ospreay's head and he just smashed it into the wood over and over again. I know I'm repeating myself, but I have to make it clear. This was so vicious, I thought he was doing it for real. Ospreay then somehow rolled out of a pin after suffering a pile driver. And I don't think I've ever said that sentence before. And at this stage, if somebody had rang me up and said, time and time, and is Will Ospreay dead? I would have confirmed, well, from what I'm seeing, he must be. This is when he got so damn smart, though, because Ospreay, when he did get back to his feet, was all wibbly wobbly. So Omega went to the top rope, but again, Will was basically exhausted by this point. So he accidentally fell into the ropes. That meant Omega came down to the floor and all of a sudden there was an opening. Ospreay then had to slap himself silly to get his equilibrium back when Omega just got up. And he threw Osprey right into the turnbuckle. The exposed one, then he followed it up with a V-trigger. Look, my defense mechanism is back because I don't know what else to do. I mean, this honestly was like murdering a cat by this point. So Omega was like, well, I'm going to hit a one-winged angel from the top rope. But somehow it turned into an avalanche German suplex instead. And I think that may have been even worse. The whole point, though, was to try and make Osprey into this warrior from the depths of hell because Omega then hit another V-trigger and William kicked out. And it was genuinely like, well, how did he do that? It also led to Kenny hitting big knee after big knee when eventually Osprey caught one and he looked at Omega right in the eyes. And once again, this was the point. As soon as it stood up, I was like, that's the greatest warrior I've ever seen. And when Kenny threw a line and he turned it into a powerbomb, once again, it was so well done. And that was it, I was sold. Osprey was then hitting dual hidden blades and Ozcuts because of course he was and Kenny Omega was kicking out of that. And we saw more one wing angel attempts and we even saw a stars clash. And I haven't even got time to get into that, but no, it was perfect. Don Callis on commentary was also perfect as he just shouted out, Will Osprey has a second life here. And he hit some of the stiffest hidden blades you'd ever seen. Kenny Omega was able to kick out a two and they both just laid there. And they could have laid there for 10 minutes as far as I'm concerned. And I still would have clapped like a seal. They then just did this whole sequence where they basically held on to each other the whole time. And that too was just absolutely crazy because I don't know how they did it. And after Will <laughs> spat in Kenny Omega's face, I do. I don't think you should have done that. So of course, Omega hit the Kamagoye as a wink and a nod to Ibushi. He hit the craziest one wing AJ you've ever seen. And he pinned Will Ospreay, but once again, it does not matter who lost here. You know you're gonna get the second match at some point in the year. You know Ospreay will win that one. We'll then get to the big third match and somehow these guys will just improve every single damn time. So I give it the round of applause and I'm gonna do something I haven't done for a long ass time, but it deserves it. It doesn't just get an up, it doesn't just get the golden up, it gets the very rare and the very exclusive platinum up.
I am going to watch this again later, and so should you. It is a flipping masterpiece. Amazingly, Okada and Jay White for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship had to follow this. And while this was actually a brilliant match, it suffered massively because nobody could have followed it. Like, no one. In hindsight, we should have switched these two things around, although I understand why they didn't. But I watched most of this, and in the back of my head, I was like, man... That Kenny Omega Will Ospreay match. Still though, we do have to look at it in the context that it was presented. And Jay White has been a great champion. And Akada is one of the best wrestlers of his generation. So you should still hang around and make sure you check this out as well. It's just not as good. That's the truth. You also knew that this was going to start slow because that's what Akada does. And of course, Jay White with Gado. So early on, Gado was casting distraction. And Jay White took advantage of that because he really was beating on Akada. Like, see, I told you, you ain't nothing. White also started to chant two at one point because he kept trying to pin Akada, who was kicking out at two. For some reason, this really made me chuckle. Jay White is a truly brilliant heel, which is why the finish of this made my eyebrow go up, because there was just the tiniest tease that he may be about to go babyface. I thought about it and I thought about it, and he probably does done all he can as a bad guy. Maybe it's time. Eventually, Akada did pop up and he took Jay out with a DDT, and much like before, it's the smoothest thing you've ever seen in your life. And it didn't last because Jay White was back on the thump, but you know this Akada. He has some kind of sixth sense where he goes, now is the time to hit a drop kick. He did that. Although this time, White was on the top rope and he tumbled to the floor. That didn't look fun at all. It allowed them to go fight on the rampway, which really was a thing on this Wrestle Kingdom, and it allowed Akada to take out both Jay White and Gado when he held them into the floor. But really, this was pitched as White having Akada's number because they got back in the ring, and this time Switchblade went after Akada's knee, and it kind of worked. Comeback did come when all of a sudden Akada had the money clip, although I don't think anybody bought that as the finish. Apparently, we had to take out Gado again. So Akada went to the top rope, and he hit a spinning senton, and he took out everyone again. It didn't work because Gado just got right in the ring, which allowed Jay White to hop, spit in Akada's face. I was like, why is everybody spitting at everybody else? When we had this awesome counter from the Rainmaker into the Blade Runner, where Akada was able to kick out at two. White then went for a second one when he changed his mind, and he actually hit the Rainmaker. And while once again you knew that wasn't going to be the finish, it tied into what eventually would be the ending. So when you look back, you were like, ha, ha, that's pretty good. Jay then started to do all of a Carter's posing, but he shouldn't have done that because he wasted time and he did have his head taken off by the Rainmaker. But of course, he was able to kick out, which is when I knew he was losing. We've given him something. Akada then eventually went through all the gears, and as always, when he does do this, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And he actually hit a Blade Runner of his own, as if to say, ha ha, you shouldn't have done it to me. He hit the Rainmaker, and he pinned Jay White clean in the middle. And look, I've kind of zoomed through this just because this damn video is so long, but make sure you watch these two matches back to back. You will have a massive smile on your face and I'm quite obviously giving it up. Which did bring us to the end of Wrestle Kingdom 17, and honestly, while it was a very long show, and I would always appreciate them being cut down just a little bit, it is also absolutely fantastic, and if you do want to put some money down, I will be totally surprised. If you are disappointed, you get wrestling, you get grappling, you get sports entertainment. It is a wonderful, neat little package and I am giving it an up. Now, please do leave a comment below and let me know what you thought about last night's Wrestle Kingdom. No, today's Wrestle Kingdom. Well, I guess it depends where you are in the world. Like the video, share the video, and subscribe. We will have the fallout news at whatculture.com. We'll do the same on social media, whatculturewwe, and I'll be saying stupid stuff at Simon316. And there'll be other videos where we'll give you the fallout there too. Please watch them. My name is Simon What Culture. My apologies again for being so damn ill. These videos are so hard. <laughs> Defense mechanism. See you soon. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents... 
the anime effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Listen to this Acast show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership. Or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.